0: Almighty God, receive this offering in Your hands, that You might use this offering, that all will come to know Your Son Jesus, who loves us so much. Is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to Hebrews chapter twelve. While you're turning, I'd like to say thank you to all those who are involved in our music ministry today. Uh, What a blessing. Sometimes people ask, why on All Saints Sundays do you all do such upbeat kind of music? And my typical response is something like, well, do we believe what we say we believe, or do we just say we believe? I mean, because I, I know my dad today, he loves music. And so if he were sitting up there and all the music in heaven sounded like a funeral dirge, he'd be going, I might as well go back. (laughs) Might as well go back. So I I know that, you know, we join together and celebrate because there's everlasting life for all who believe. And that's why when we do services here after uh, some of these who've gone before us have died, we call it a celebration of life and a celebration of faith. Because we're celebrating who they were as they lived among us. We're celebrating their faith and the life that they now have and the fullness of the kingdom of God, so it's a day of celebration, and we're grateful to all of you for helping out with the with the music. And I think a couple more piano lessons, you'll probably have that down. <laughs> I mean, I love that. As just just watching is like, you know, he's got the music up there, but he's letting the spirit go, and so uh, awesome. I I really enjoyed enjoyed the music. Hebrews chapter twelve, beginning of verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight in the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, we're just so grateful for your love and grace and grateful that we can join together and remember and celebrate those who have gone before us. What amazing lives. Each name, each picture, it's a story. It's a family. It's a calling. A child that you loved enough to give your life for. And God, we are grateful for each name that was called, each name that we've kept in our hearts. So many have helped to shape and mold our lives. Now you call on us to run the race that you set before us. So God, as I stand now before these, your people, your church, I pray that this would be your message and not my own in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love this Sunday. It's, it's one of the sacred Sundays for me in my life because as I, I come here and we see those pictures come up and we hear the names, we were, we were a part of so many of those lives and had the privilege of being a part of those lives. And each of, each of those people have that story, that family, and, and those people that, that they've changed and molded and shaped lives. And, and then I'm reminded of people when I was growing up that helped to shape my life, people that, that are no longer among us. And I, and I give thanks to God for each one of them. And the preacher here in Hebrews now reminds each of us that we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses so we can now run the race that's set before us. I, I refer to the writer of Hebrews as a preacher because we're not really sure who wrote Hebrews. We're not sure, was it, was it Apollos that wrote Hebrews? Maybe. Maybe it was Priscilla. Well, that would tear some people up if we find out Priscilla wrote a major book of the Bible. But many people, when you look at the Greek and the nuances of the Greek, it it may very well have been Priscilla who might have written the story. We're not sure. Whoever it was, though, was a preacher. and, and, And the letter to Hebrews is not really a letter like Paul wrote to the church at Rome or to Corinth and other places. Hebrews is a sermon. It's a sermon that's to be shared with the congregation and... And so the preacher here is reminding us is, as we look at all those who've gone before us that the race is now before us. He said, you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Actually, the first word is therefore. When you see therefore, that means you've got to back up and see what was it we're there for In chapter 11, you get what's known as the hall of faith. With athletes, we often think about the Hall of Fame. Did you make it to the Hall of Fame? This is the Hall of Faith. And, and, and the, the preacher starts writing out a listing. You know, look at some of the people of the faith. Uh, interestingly enough, we hear Abel. Abel. It's not often that we talk about Abel as an example because, well, you never hear Abel say anything. Because remember, it was Adam and Eve. They had two children, Cain and Abel, and Cain kills Abel. But Abel's mentioned there, why? Well, the things we do know is that Abel presented an offering to God and God found it acceptable and pleasing. So he was clearly a man who loved God, who walked with God, who was in a relationship with God, enough to the point that his brother was jealous over it. What well, we also learn about Abel is he's the first victim of someone else's sin and hate. Because here, this innocent one who walked love loved God is killed because of somebody else's jealousy and anger and, and the issues that are going on in their life. So the preacher says, remember Abel. Abel walked with God. Enoch. Enoch pleased God. I mean, Enoch was one who, who walked with God. I, I love the story here. Last week, I had the opportunity last Sunday night to, to share with our Stephen ministers. And we were talking about ministry with those who are dying and and with the families of those who are losing loved ones and or have gone through the loss of a loved one. And, and I shared with the group, I said, you know, the death rate is right at 100%. But it's not 100%. Because Enoch, you know, Enoch was one of the ones that God just, just took away. So we're sitting somewhere at 99.99999999. But Enoch walked with God, and God received him. Noah. The preacher goes and remember Noah. Now you want to talk about faith? Noah had some faith, and God says to Noah, "I need you to build an ark." What's an ark? It's a boat. A boat. You want me to build a boat? Yes, build a boat. But I live in the wilderness. Wouldn't you ask somebody lives near the water to build a boat? Now I need you to build a boat. I'm gonna flood the earth. So Noah, Noah starts building an ark, and I can just imagine that his HOA had a fit. I mean, can you imagine the homeowners association getting together going, I don't think the architectural review committee looked at this. And they'd be having a fit about the problem that he's building this right there in the backyard. And then when the animals started showing up, I bet they called a meeting. We got to have a meeting. According to the bylaws, you can have a cat, you can have a dog. The hippos have got to go. And those little little bags in the common area, they won't handle the hippos. (laughs) Think about that one for a moment. (laughs) Hippos have got to go. But yet Noah had faith. Abraham. Abraham's mentioned. He was the father of the covenant. I love the fact that he's an old man when God says you're going to have descendants. As a matter of fact, I love the way the preacher in uh, Hebrews 11 verse 12 says that God told him he was going to have kids. And he was good as dead. That's a great compliment. (laughs) But he believed. And and the preacher keeps going. There's Moses and Rahab. And and you can tell they're a preacher too because probably like me, they've got that little clock up there in the corner of the monitor that tells you you've got to keep it moving because he goes, oh, and I would love to tell you about Samson and Gideon and Jephthah and others, but I don't have time. I mean, it's actually in there. Read it. It's in chapter 11. I'd love to tell you these, but I don't have time. But here's what is important. You're now surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and the baton is now being passed to you. You've got to run the race that's set before you. I think the preacher here was a coach. Either was a preacher who was a frustrated coach or a coach who was a frustrated preacher. But but you can see shift modes here. Or you can see her shift mo- modes here. And, and all of a sudden, the, the, the preacher becomes a coach. And the coach basically pulls together the team before the track meeting and goes, all right, let's get together, folks. We need to talk about this. There's some things I need you to know. First off... You're going to have fans lined up all around you because you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You do not have to run this by yourself. You are going to have people cheering you on. So those who've gone before us are going to be in the stands. They're going to be lining up the roadways where you're running the race because they've already run the race. They've already got the t-shirt. But now they're cheering you on as you run your leg of the race. They're going to be calling out your name. If you listen while you're out there. You'll hear them call your name. You'll hear them cheer you on. You will hear them back you up. All these candles that are burning, all these names of the past, all those people that have touched our lives, they're cheering you on. You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. When we moved from Oak Ridge, I received a a painting. Nancy and I received this gift. I mean, one of the things that you learn as a preacher is when you move, people give you good stuff. I mean, all you got to do is leave for people to show you they love you. And so we got this painting, and it's a picture of a preacher standing in the pulpit. By, but behind him, it hangs in my office now because it's a great reminder. You see John the Baptist and Moses and Elijah and all these others, and Jesus standing behind the preacher with his hand up on his shoulder. And the, and the scripture is this. You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So run the race that's set before you. There are others who are cheering you on. If you will listen while you're out there, you'll hear them call your name. The New York Marathon goes on today, and, and it was funny as I was looking at some of the things that people do to get prepared for the marathon, those who are racing and, and those who are encouraging along the sidelines, those who run by, and, and, and it showed a picture of signs that different people, you know, different people have held up during marathons, and, and one of them is, you know, this person was holding up a sign that said, if you think you're tired, I've been holding this sign since 10 a.m., <laughs> i love that you know you've got people cheering you on second thing the coach says listen up before you go out there you need to know this you need to run your race look at the scripture he says let us run the race that's set before us you're not called to run somebody else's race you're called to run your race Yes, we can learn from Abraham. Yes, we can learn from Moses. Yes, we can learn from others. Yes, we can learn from every one of these for whom the candles are burning right now. But we are not called to run their race. I am not called to be Abraham. I'm not called to be Noah. I'm not called to be anybody. I am called to be me. You are called to be you. And God has set a race before you. So the coach is saying to the team, when you get out there to run, don't be paying attention to what everybody else is doing and how they're running. You be faithful to who you're called to be and run the race set before you. You have your race. So let us run with perseverance the race that's set before you. You're to run your personal best. Today I ran my personal best. And then the coach looks around and said, "And some of y'all need to go change. Some of y'all aren't wearing the right clothing. Some of you need to go change clothes before you run this race. Because read what he says. The scripture says, "And let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. Some of us need to change clothes, because we're trying to run a marathon. And heavy, burdensome clothes and boots and backpacks and weights and junk and stuff. And there's no way that we can run successfully trying to carry all this stuff. I mean, we join together in this place, and in just a few moments, we're going to come to this table and we're going to celebrate that God loved us enough that He gave His only begotten Son so that through His death we can be forgiven for our sins. And have everlasting life. But for some reason, we choose to carry that stuff with us as we try to run the race that's set before us. And instead of being able to run freely, we're we're dragging around our past. We're dragging around our sin. We're dragging around our shame. And so the coach pulls the team together and goes, look, it's not about who you were back when you were a kid. It's not about how you acted when you were in college. It's not about what you did last year. It's not even about what you did last night. It's about receiving the grace of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And laying it down at the altar so that you can then go and run the race that God has set before you. Now we have a tendency. Because I'll you know, do as I say. Not as I do. We all have the tendency. I do it too. Of going guide. I've been wrestling with this. I've been struggling with this, and I'm just going to lay it right here at your feet. It's yours, God. I give it to you, and 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 I love. You know, Meredith was telling me the other day that that uh, she heard from a, a a priest, I believe it was, who who gave her a prayer or gave a prayer that she now holds on to, and I started using too, and and that is the last thing the priest would say at night is, "Lord, it's your church. I'm going to bed." <laughs> we. I'm laying this at your feet, God. I'm giving this to you. But then about the time we get to the door, there's something inside of us that causes us to run back and and pick it back up and we're just not ready to release it yet. God stands more ready to forgive us than we are to receive God's forgiveness. So the coach looked over and said, man, some of y'all got to change. There is no way you can run effectively carrying what you're carrying. There is no way you can run effectively carrying what you're carrying. You need to leave it at the altar of Jesus Christ. And then the coach said, and remember this, you've got to run with perseverance. You've got to run with endurance and perseverance. Let us run with perseverance the race that's set before us. When I was growing up, I was awesome on a bicycle. I mean, I'm humble about it, but I was awesome. You know, and, and, and I mean, I, I grew up riding a bicycle. I grew up out in the country, way out in the country. And, and, and some of you, I know when you came up to my father's funeral, went, you said you lived way out in the country? You live way out in the country. I did, I'm way out there. And it's a beautiful area, but we rode our bicycles everywhere unless you rode a tractor. Now, my brother, people joke still about the fact that when my older brother was growing up, he thought his first car was a Farm all I mean, he had decided, I'm going to run down to Grandma's for a minute. You'd hear the tractor start up. The other farmer's going, he is wearing the tires out and having that tractor on the asphalt like that. And I mean, they were just having a fit, but he just, I want to run over to the store. You'd hear the tractor start up, and he'd take off down the road. One of the reasons we had to ride bicycles everywhere is because the tractor was gone. So I rode a bicycle everywhere I we went, and my grandmother lived 1.7 miles driveway to driveway from our house. And, and I know that because I used to run it, and then I would ride the bicycle, you know, on a regular basis there and back. And, and so I was good. And I grew up during the days of evil Knievel. <laughs> and, and so there was a path up to our neighbor's house, and it was just a slight grade down, you know, toward our house. And so we would build these ramps up. And evil can evil, you know, he jumped buses, but we could set out like the little red wagon and my brother's bicycle and all kinds of stuff. I mean, if you didn't make it, it hurt. <laughs> but we would come flying down, you know, and hit that ramp, and then somebody would go, You landed right here. So we'd add something else. I can beat that. And you kept going until you broke something. <laughs> so when I was in elementary school, around the sixth grade, they were going to do a bike race on a Saturday to raise some money for something, and, and so they were going to have a bicycle race, and I thought, man, this is a no-brainer. I mean, I, I live on a bicycle. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in the race. I'm going to win the race. So here we go. We're there, and they, you know, the starting gun goes off, you know, and the whistle or the, whatever it was, and we take off running the race or riding the race, and, and I'm right to the front. Man, right to the front. I was leading big time. I looked back, and I mean, there wasn't anybody close behind me. And I thought, man, I'm awesome. Like, call me secretariat. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, Google it later. <laughs> but I thought, you know, there's, there's no one close to me. And for, the, for most of the race, I would glance back, and there was nowhere, no one anywhere around me until right near the end. And all of a sudden, I was winded, I was tired, but I could see the finish line, but I could hear them getting closer. I know the guy's name that passed me, but I won't say it because this is the service that gets put on the internet. (laughs) I mean, I'm over it. But it's one of those times when you start arguing with your body. I mean, you start going, pedal! And your legs are going, no! And you're going faster! And your legs go, no! And he passed me. Now I'm second. And so we're, we're getting there, and I'm so angry as I'm behind him, and then somebody else passed. I finished third. Third. Why? Because I didn't run smart. Because there's a difference and a sprint, and a marathon. And I wrote it like it was a sprint, and it was a marathon. And the scripture here is reminding us that we're to run with perseverance because our Christian walk is not a Sunday morning sprint for an hour, an hour and (laughs) ten. Our Sunday morning, our our Christian life is a marathon until somebody lights a candle and calls our name. Our race is a marathon until somebody lights a candle and calls our name. And the way we run is different. So the preacher says, run with perseverance, or the Greek can go with endurance. And the coach says, and I need you to keep focused. I need you to stay focused. He says, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. You've got to stay focused on what you're trying to do. You've got to keep your eye on the prize. You've got to keep focused on what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Because the scripture actually implies, and if you read Tom Long and some of the other commentaries on the scripture, it reminds us that it's, it's not simply with perseverance and endurance, but, but it's a realization that Satan not simply wants to give you distractions, To go, oh, what is that? You know, I'm running this race for Christ, but all of a sudden, my life gets distracted over here for a while, and then I'm running the race for Christ again, and I get distracted over here for a while. But Satan simply doesn't give you distractions. He gives you obstructions, obstacles. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to trip all over it. So the coach says, I need you to stay focused. Keep your eye on the goal, which is Jesus Christ. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, Chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Beloved, I do not consider that I've made it on my own, but this one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind, you've got to change clothes. It's not about your past. But straining toward what lies ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. When Paul later writes to his apprentice Timothy, he says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 I fought the good fight and I finished the race. But more importantly, I kept the faith. I finished the fight, I finished the race. But more importantly, I kept the faith. So the coach is getting us ready to go out there. The coach wants us to know, hey, team, before you head out, you're going to hear your name called because you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I need you to run the race that's set before you. I need you to put aside all the things that are holding you back. Some of y'all need to go change clothes. I need you to run with perseverance and endurance and stay focused. Stay focused. And one of the things I was reading about with the marathon is nutrition means a lot. These people that are running twenty six point two miles, they gotta make sure that they're taking in what they need to sustain them. Some of them have jail packs with all this kind of stuff in it, they can squeeze and then keep running and different things for different people. When we celebrate a baptism, we acknowledge that we have two sacraments, and baptism is that sign that we're beginning the journey, we're beginning the race, we're beginning that relationship with Christ. We have a second sacrament. It's called the Lord's Supper. It's the table of the Lord. We call this sustaining grace. This is the grace that keeps us going. This is the grace that keeps us running the race. So as we come to this table once again... Let us receive from God the grace that we need to run the race that God has set before us. Thank God we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. But now it's our turn to run with all we've got.